0: Hello and welcome back to the Gucci Podcast. This episode is part of the Fast Company series, short interviews with influential visionaries recorded at the Fast Company European Innovation Festival, hosted and powered by Gucci. Here, editor and writer Casey Ifini interviews explorer and environmentalist David de Rothschild and research scientist Africa Flores after their panel titled Unnatural Selection, Can Machines Save the Planet? They examine some of our most troubling blind spots when it comes to the planet, environment, and livelihoods of those affected by climate change. Please note, there may be some background noise in this episode, as it was recorded live from the festival.
1: Hey, this is Casey Finney. I'm an editor and writer with Fast Company Magazine, and we're here in the Gucci hub in Milan, and just heard a fantastic panel. I have some of the panelists here with me today, so I'll allow you to introduce yourselves.
2: Hi, I'm Africa Flores. I'm a research scientist at the University of Alabama in Huntsville.
1: I'm David Rothschild,
3: uh, an adventurer, as I was called, uh, and an environmentalist. That must look so good on a business card, adventurer. It's a funny one because I feel like if you say adventurer, you sound like you just have a Gore-Tex fetish, you know what I mean? Like you can do all these one-arm push-ups and I'm kind of more the moisturizing adventurer. Like I'm definitely not the guy who's, you know, hanging off the the cliff and, and... and doing all the tough, rough stuff that most people think. It's kind of more, I should say explorer. Because I'm exploring yeah. exploring my understanding of right. the relationship between humans and nature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And you know, David, you mentioned something during the talk that I found interesting. You said, and it's true that we know so little of Earth. Yeah. And I wanna ask both of you, you know, what are those most what are your most troubling blind spots when you think about environmentalism and the things that people are wanting to address? Like what problems do you feel like aren't being addressed? What are those blind spots that you see?
3: I mean, you know, there. I, I think our biggest blind spot is, um, you know, the sort of, the concept that growth is success, right? That we have to somehow amass more, right? And, and it's this thing of just, you know, we've created a, a planet that is, um, all. sorry, I should say, we live on a planet that has taken, I mean, when you think about it, four and a half billion years, you know, to evolve, right? To where we are today. You know, we're the recipients of an oxygenation event that happened two and a half billion years ago or two billion years ago, right? We're living in a time where we're about to move out from the Holocene into the Anthropocene, into this human fingerprint, right? We're moving to a time where the the, 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 the this epoch will be defined by basically human fingerprints mm-hmm. right? right in a short period of time since the 1950s if it gets approved right so i think our blind spot is um unfortunately that we have um you know kind of put this 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 lens on that says that the planet was put here solely for us that we can consume and consume and consume and there will be an endless horizon at one point maybe when we were hunter gatherers it might have been uh, you know this mysterious giver that gave us stuff. and like, wow, look at this, and it was endless. But it's not endless. It's finite resource, and and we consume and consume and consume with that that blind spot. All of us, right? We're all recipients of a, a device that allows us to buy stuff that we didn't know we even needed, and arrive before we even know we bought it. You know, we're living in a time where we're just told that success is growth. It's just about growth, rather than saying, actually, what about improving? What about improving the quality of lives of everybody? You know, with access to water and access to food and access to sanitation and access to education and all the things that we can do today. Um, That's the thing that gets me is that we put consumerism first. You know, that we've become somehow consumers versus being citizens. We're citizens on Spaceship Earth, right? But we're only valued if we spend money. And if we don't have money to spend... We'll give you a card that allows you to indebt yourself. Mm-hmm. And we do it at a country level, and we do it at, a cons- at an individual level, right? right? So we, we, we're we taking more than we're giving. And and that, to me, is our biggest blind spot and the biggest antagonistic relationship we have for survival. Like this, this kind of rampant consumption of the natural world at all costs to just profit for a few companies, mm. you know? Wow. And that is just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a blind spot.
2: Yeah. Africa? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, in science we manage this big misconception that technology and scientists are going to be a- able to solve by themselves these uh, global environmental issues without taking into account the people who are suffering and who are living uh, these issues. Um, there are these big egos, and scientific egos, mm-hmm. that... Uh, have to deal daily, and I, I hope I will never become something like that. Uh, but uh, the, I think it's a very big misconception, uh, because in order to change what is happening, we have to work with the people who are at the core of these environmental issues, uh, whatever this it is, and uh, they are capable to find solutions if, if we enable them. Uh, so, it's something uh, along the lines of the democratization of data and knowledge. Um, and uh, that's, uh, I think that that's one of the big things. I think that uh, the, the talks that have been uh, happening like yesterday and today have brought light, a little bit of light on this, that uh, we may be also in an era where inequalities can grow and I feel a social responsibility, a human responsibility to share knowledge to, uh, and uh, to bridge that gap. That cannot happen because uh, we are losing knowledge, by the way, by not including these people who know what is happening. And, you know They are bringing an, a, a component that we don't understand, that we don't know. And they are part of the solution. They are not part of the problem or only the problem. So um, I think that's... Yeah. Uh, I think
3: another blind spot is to, to sort of build on that, on what Africa saying, is that as a, as a citizen of mm-hmm. spaceship Earth, I, I am amazed at how we disregard the data, the scientific data. We've had in the last year some of the most condemning reports on the state of nature. Yet we can't get world leaders to stand up and take responsibility because they're interested in short-termism. They're interested in getting re-elected. They're interested in profit before planet. They're interested in exploiting natural resources, indigenous communities, exploiting the land. And so it's not in their interest to validate the science. It's in their interest to discredit the science, to underfund the science, to tell us that everything's going to be all right and we'll have a technological revolution that will solve everything overnight at the point that we're ready to do it. It's not going to happen.
2: Yeah. Um, but I think that there is also along the lines of what you were saying at the beginning, that uh, we have this misconception of uh, that growth, is uh, that success is growth and uh, media. Has a big role on this, mm-hmm. uh, but you no know, sharing facts and real knowledge because they just want, you know, to to get uh, a more money. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, the, the, how that mani- how the information is manipulated, as well, uh, is uh, is critical and create this misconception and this. A uh, lack of literacy yeah. uh, for scientific data.
3: I mean it's amazing is, we talk yeah. about fake news, I mean to build on that again. Mm-hmm. We talk about fake news being like a new phrase. If you're an environmentalist, fake news has been around since day one. <laughs> right. right? There fake are news. literally what's insane to me, billions of dollars put into think groups and think tanks and special organizations that all they do is discredit the science and create fake news and create mm-hmm. misinformation. It's been going on forever right? Because there's just too much money in the short-term gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is say, you'll be all right. You're, you know, don't worry about that science. It's hokey and it's bokey and it's right. not going to, and, and we see it over and over again, the manipula- manipulation of the statistics yeah. the manipulation of the data, and it becomes overwhelming. So as an individual, if someone says to you, guess what? There's two stories, one where the planet blows up and one where you'll find, which one are you going to choose? You're like, "I i to choose to find one. Cool. Right? So the scientists with all the right data with all the information are,
1: are being discredited if
0: mm-hmm. they speak
1: out they're not getting funded if they speak out right yeah. well that's what I was going to ask you because i feel like this is the thing you, i'm so glad you brought this up because we have all the data we know we know the implications of what we're doing but yep. there's little action so yeah. what how can we accelerate that human action how can we close that gap and start having some real change mm-hmm.
2: For me, I, uh, you know, I repeat this over and over, but we have to involve the people at the developing countries. They have solutions. They are smart. It's co-development. We don't dump just data and methods on them that they can replicate these black boxes uh, because they don't trust them, and uh, they know, don't use them and don't believe on the data. Um, and uh, we have to create literacy and uh, on scientific information and data. For me, mm. it is very crazy. Uh, this all this movement about vaccines. Mm. <laughs> like you know, it, it's a very like it's. A, it's a, I think it's a, a, some something homologous to what is happening with uh, climate change uh, beliefs and how can be this year and you don't believe on science. Yeah. And that there are groups that are still, um, for little that they are, but for me it's crazy that they believe that, that there is still a small group of people that believe that the earth is flat. But I was going to say, what, we're still what, having this what, debate, quote, yeah. unquote. What is about that? that earth. <laughs> and the vaccines like, do not work. And the, the, what, is, what is this?
3: It isn't <laughs> flat, guys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> From the explorer himself. Again. Yeah. So, yeah it's just, Where's the edge if it's flat? Anyway. Yeah. Where is the edge? And I, you know, but again, exactly this, there's just so much misinformation, there's so much fear and I, I think after you just mentioned a minute ago about the, the role of media yes so unfortunately what we get I think is this idea that we need to tell both sides of the story and we need to build one side up to break it down we need another point of view and and the thing that's become more scary than that is that we've now taken nature events like a fire or a flood or a, a megastorm and we've turned it into almost entertainment we've turned it into like in America You'll, you'll see a news piece will come on, and it will say, you know, we, you know, it'll be like we, we, they'll call it firestorm, right? In California, it's like firestorm. We'll be back after the break, right? And the ad is for like a car <laughs> and all these other things. So they're selling advertising off the back of storms, right? They're saying, you know, we're creating so much more fear, right? We create all the shows that you see on television. A lot of them are still man versus nature. It's still when animals attack, when animals go bad. Why is it always? man conquering nature, why can't it be biomimicry and and understanding the relationship between humans and nature? Because our misunderstanding is what creates pollution, is what creates the mess that we're in. But we've always positioned it as so it's like megastorm, hurricane, beast from the east in England when the snow comes, it's like beast from the east. We've, we, we create this terminology, right. like we're at war with nature. Then we watch programs where it's man versus shark. Shark week is shark month, shark month is shark year. It's always when sharks attack. Yet if we actually bothered to slow down and look at the surface of the skin of the shark, you realize it's got this incredible patterning mm-hmm. that stops bacteria doesn't like to grow on it, right? So in a world that might be moving to a post-antibiotic era, You could actually replicate the surface of the skin of sharks, replicate it onto surfaces, and now you've got a natural antibacterial pattern that nature's provided us. But yet we're still fascinated with how quickly it attacks, how hard it bites. It will eat you in the ocean. So when we slaughter, I would say now maybe tens of thousands of sharks, because I keep on hearing the statistic, <laughs> millions every year. There isn't million, there's not 100 million sharks to kill every year. Oh, Sorry, guys. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> That's misinformation again. Right. But like, when we kill those sharks, we, we, part, part of us is like, well, that thing's going to bite me and eat me, so why should I care? But if you flipped it around and said, actually, the shark has evolved over hundreds of millions of years and is a, an incredible example of something that can survive mm. and is an apex predator, and that actually, if we paid attention to, could be one of the keys, just one of many keys that nature can give us to living on this planet sustainably.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think that uh, we scientists have to be better uh, storytellers. We haven't been trained for that. Uh, so uh, the information that is generated is very complex and uh, for the uh, general public to understand. And uh, we need to go an extra mile to make that understandable and uh, it's a trade. We have to train ourselves, uh, but we also have to work with multidisciplinary teams, with media, you know, to, to convey this information. Right. And, and that uh, requires investment. And maybe investment that doesn't exist, but I think I also like we, we have the duty as scientists to inform and share knowledge.
0: Good.
1: Okay. Thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode with explorer David de Rothschild and research scientist Africa Flores, who were interviewed by Casey Afaini. Find out more about David and Africa's work and the Fast Company European Innovation Festival in the episode notes.